Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes, and hey, there's more pro wrestling to be had. Uh, I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Chris is committing genocide of bugs. Hawkins, I have embraced the power of the sun. Mm-hmm. It's mine now. I have solar-powered lights, more solar-powered lights, and also a solar-powered bug zapper that is currently doing the damage, doing the Lord's work, as I like to say outside in the yard underneath the oasis the old testament lord is that what you're... <laughs> oh yeah yeah no no the... no god is a vengeful god <laughs> solar powered bug zapper huh yes yes uh because it... plugging it in would be too much what? no you can still plug it in so okay. and, and actually you should if you want to get it fully charged but you can use the sun to get it recharge so like imagine you use the power of the sun it only stuns them you have to actually use real electricity no it just doesn't it doesn't last nearly as long but like let's say you're (laughs) camping right you know if you're camping you probably don't have an outlet to plug into unless you're glamping and then like are you really camping that's something for the philosophers what i'm here to talk to you about is suppose you are away from any sort of power and then in which case you could use the power of the sun and charge up your bug zapper and at least have some coverage for part of the night and make sure your campsite's not zap you know filled with mosquitoes or whatever get it out during the evening and you'll get some good coverage but like for me i just have it on the charger during the day here in the in desk area and then at night i put it out there and i relax to the sound of occasional zaps knowing that my yard is getting all the more bug free and I, could, I, 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 I could have just stopped you. Let's pretend you're camping or let's say you want to go because I went through scouts and uh, also my, 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 okay, my so, you, so you can pretend really good. Hold on. So my, my, well, no, no, but my father and, and to save money on trips, we'd always camp as opposed to getting a hotel room. And, and once I became an adult, I said, never again, never again. There, camping is overrated. You know what NXT camping is? <laughs> no, but what? What is it? You go out and you're in a box. And then you can shoot a video package afterwards talking about how you once lived in a box for several weeks. Oh, camping sucks. I'm sorry. I, I think camping is very overrated. I'm saying this as a person who really enjoys nature. And if you see my instagram account or anything since i've moved to new mexico a lot of it's just like me hanging out in nature me taking photos of nature specifically and the best thing about camping is the ability to build a fire the best thing 
about nature is going home to your bed where there are no <laughs> And I love spending the day out there. I have no interest in sleeping in the dirt. I don't want to get bitten by bugs. I, w- I want to live my life. And I can't do that if I have a bunch of mosquito bites on me. It's actually not possible. I tried sleeping once. on the ground is rough. It's, you know, the oh your my God. food is terrible <laughs> always. And there's dirt. There's always something that has happened to the food. Like you have like sterno, it's leaked all over the place or something to that effect. Yes. So don't there, camp, kids. Don't I wouldn't, I would literally say to never camp. Although I kind of want to keep like scouting camping and stuff like that to teach the youth about how good they have it. It's one of those things where I want to make children camp so that they never do it as adults. Like I have friends who like, we're going to go to Yosemite. We're going to go to Joshua tree and camp for a while. "Eh, No, I kind of want to make adults camp because they don't realize how good they have it. Okay. We can do that too. Yeah. (laughs) You're kind of talking me into a big program. You know, like if it's a campsite with like an RV or like a cabin or something, I can do that. I no, I think they're or pitching tents. No, no, oh, no, no, no. Never I'm again. very Never much again. talking about a mandatory. You're out in the woods in the dirt, pal, sort of campaign. So you want naked and afraid for everybody. Yes. Okay. I think everyone needs to know what it's like. <laughs> You've talked me into this, Jeff. You're a very good persuasive arguer. So what do you want to talk about? We have numbers, and they're all pretty good this week, including the debut of AEW Collision. Let us go through them, because I don't have a lot of other bigger news. Starting with the aforementioned Collision, 816,000 in its debut with one Charles Montgomery Punk. WWNXT on USA Network, 773,000. Big boost from having main roster talent such as Seth Rollins on there. They were number two in 18 to 49 among cable originals for Tuesday. SmackDown on Friday, 2.43 million viewers, 0.67, number one in the demo for Friday night. AEW Rampage, 423,000 viewers. Raw, 1.82 million viewers. Uh, Chris, do we want to start with people tuning into wrestling or do we want to start with Collision? Uh, We got to talk about Collision Mega Draw Punk. Yeah. That is what his initials now stand for. One Bill Phil. Yes. Bill Phil. Okay, no. But seriously, he he did outperform by, I'd say, a couple hundred thousand where I had the high end. I I thought Collision, given the time slot, and I'm not sure if we did predictions last week. Oh, I I, I, I forgot as well. Uh, Dynamite had like 920,000 this week. It was really good, too. That was that's good, but I I think again looking at Collision getting eight sixteen, uh, given its time slot, once again Punk debuts or redebuts or however you want to frame it, and he's able to pop a big number. Now will he be able to keep that up? That's an interesting question that remains to be seen. But uh, for an initial start, I thought uh, he once again delivered the numbers that really. If there is, you know, his affirmative argument is very much predicated on it. And when he needs to get the numbers, he gets the numbers. That That's something that has been true in this whole run. Um, and 
whether people like him or don't like him, the results really do speak for themselves on the rating side. Yeah, I don't know how long it'll last. Uh, let, let's dive I into... I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Let's dive into some uh, just general thoughts on Collision as a television show, because I, I did a show right afterwards with my hot takes over on Fight Game, and I don't think I've shifted a lot. I, I might... I could be convinced, but it, it felt like to me, and, and I, I was a little... Let, let me go with the good first before I start getting Are we hit. going with the show or the drums? That That's, I guess, the opening salvo question. Here. I'm going with the show real okay. quick. Um, Like, I liked the matches. The matches were good. And the guys that were on it were people I, I was happy to see again. Miro, uh, Andrade, Punk, of course, etc. I was a little disappointed because I consider it a pilot of a TV show. And I know people get on me about this, but a little table setting I would have liked. I would have liked just the basic, why is this show going to be different than any other wrestling show I'm watching, with the exception that it's just different people on it? And I didn't get that, to me. Some people did. Some people watched the action and thought it was, wow, this is a far different presentation than Dynamite. And I was just like, okay, I might be missing something. I might be missing some stylistic choice here that I didn't see. I do like their play-by-play uh, quite a bit. I did enjoy Kevin Kelly and Nigel together. But I kind of wanted, this is what this show is going to be. And overall, it, it was weird because I really thought a good idea in hindsight now would be to go in on these are the island of misfit <laughs> wrestlers the breakfast club aew detention these are these are the guys that we can't keep on dynamite because they're a little rowdy and whatnot and we're gonna show you that tonight type of a thing didn't mind saturday night's all right for fighting might have liked something a little bit more current to be honest with i mean i mean and even that's a choice i mean that's a that's a hawkins boomer choice to be honest with you and god knows we have enough boomer rock on, on this dynamite show between jefferson airplane Kansas and Elton John, where you could have given a more, for lack of a better term, urban feel to, to collision if you chose to, but they did. It, it felt to me like, okay, it's another wrestling show, but just with different characters. And am I wrong on that, Chris? I felt like this was just more AEW. I, I don't think the commentary team represents a major departure. Right. Uh, in part because Kevin Kelly's association with ring of honor uh, in the past and everything. I, I just sort of, I know he's, he, and no, it's Ian Riccoboni now, but like, I still think of the Kevin Kelly era of ring of honor and their intersection with new Japan and stuff. And just kind of think of him in that orbit. And he's not really that meaningful of a change of pace. I would have liked again, to make it feel like a different show, a little bit more of universe setting uh, to this yeah. Format wise, I know what Khan was trying to do, but I think it is a mistake to open up with CM Punk before we ever really? talk about. Yes, yeah, yes, because I think you need to. I don't want to say do a GM angle or something like that, but I think you need to do something that establishes the collision world 
a little bit more concretely before you immediately pull the camera into CM Punk. I would do him seg two. Uh, like I, I wouldn't wait around cause obviously he's gotta, you know, be in the main event. You want to set the table for the main event and everything like that. But like the first segment, I don't know. I, I think I would like introduce collision yeah. and get, get a sense of like, you know, what, what is this world going to be like? What are, what are some people's goals? Um, I mean, you can have people backstage trying to get to Khan's office or something. I, I don't know it's like how much of an on-screen character he wants to be. It's why not- am I watching this right now? And why is it important? And right. why should I continue to watch every week? What is and, the attitude of this show? What are you trying to tell me, et cetera? And, it, and it, you know, it's punk, and that's not a bad thing. No, but, like, for the CM Punk haters, you should especially love my argument because if CM Punk goes away, then at least now you have an established universe that stands independent of punk. Yes. The problem with punk leading off the show is now he is firmly entrenched as the centerpiece the focal point of this show i like your idea of the island of misfit toys i kind of like the notion of all of these guys they don't get along and so they all start fighting amongst each other and maybe just maybe eventually they start getting you know on the same page and start like you know you can do a collision invades dynamite sort of angle um you know down the road here if you can work out the personalities etc etc but uh, I, I like that idea a lot more than I like leading off with CM Punk, even if from a storyline perspective, I guess we can talk about the drums too, uh, you know, in, in, on the sheets and everything. But from a storyline perspective, I think CM Punk's promo here lays down a lot of rails in a number of different directions. And it's, it's very intriguing. Um, like there is definitely some rails being laid down to make him a bad guy uh no more mr nice guy uh and that sort of thing you also then have the belt he never lost which uh especially when juxtaposed to mjf right now sort of makes him like a makes him a baby face or would be a thing that nudges him in the baby face direction ftr obviously likable guys and, and you know a very good tag team but like very natural heel so they're an interesting pairing with cm punk and then you have all of the promo which i guess this is a your mileage may vary situation you could look at this promo as another adam page situation where cm punk on the very first night of collision comes out and decides to do his own version of the workers rights promo to open up the very first show of collision i'm not convinced that's what's happening i believe what is happening is something more akin to a work shoot and that what punk said was in between the lines now if i'm wrong on this and i could be if i'm wrong on this then i think that he should get the same condemnation that I gave Adam Page. Um, However, I would also then say for those in the past who have laid no blame at Page's doorstep for the workers' rights promo, uh, you might want to sit this one out. Hmm. I I liked the promo overall. I, I think there are obvious, it was obviously very meticulously planned in terms of certain things like parallels to his career such as taking off the uh aew uh i I don't know what they call that on microphones 
Uh, but he did that with WWE as well to let you know that this is CM Punk talking to you, not Phil Brooks or whatever. Um, or you mean the other way around? Yes, something to that effect. I don't know. Um, yeah, a, <laughs> this is a shoot, brother, and like, yeah, yeah, pew pew. He <laughs> made those noises. I I think we are getting into territory again, where if you do turn punk, he's going to be a babyface in Chicago. It's 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 fairly. I mean, when when he mentioned, uh, I mean, both nights on on both Collision and oddly enough on Dynamite when when Kingston was talking about the elite, in some ways there were noticeable boos from this crowd. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, there this was is a Brit situation elite. again. Yeah. There was an F the elite chant. Uh. For it, for Collision, yeah, and yeah. I I think. Now, on the collision side, I think that's somewhat by design. And I think they're trying to do what WWE always said they wanted to do, but never could go through with it. The John Cena thing, if you want to cheer for one side, cheer for them. If you want to cheer for the other side, cheer for them. Yes, where you actually have Raw and SmackDown fans, so to speak. And and yes, this is my brand. I like the punk brand better, and I like the way that they present things. And I like the people on that better than I like the Dynamite brand, which is a little bit more to my indie-rific likings or whatever you are, however they're going to do it. Now, they can they haven't done it yet, but they could do it, and it feels like they may have set some uh, building blocks for that. Yeah, I, I could certainly see it being you know you could do this you could do that i i think they are playing with fire a little yes because how do i say this politely do i care (laughs) i think that the fan base might not be sophisticated enough to understand that this is a work in the year of our Lord 2023. And I think that at live events, especially with some beers and people, um, especially considering how intense the opinions around CM Punk and the elite can be, uh, I have seen this uh, and I have read this. It does exist. It is real. Uh, I worry that adding fuel to the fire could result in people actually like fighting each other or getting hostile with one another in real life. That when these things come to a head, that like people could be legitimately angry at one another because. Uh, people are very emotionally invested, both in CM Punk and and also extremely emotionally invested in the elite. And uh, I, I think it's uh, gone beyond just wrestlers you see on TV, especially for the people who follow it closely. I think that it's become uh, something deeper. I'll do you one better. Not Ooh, all, do uh, it. I think they will realize it's a work, and they'll be even angrier <laughs> in that case. Oh, because, because they got worked. Well, not, not just that. But the segment of people that are really taking, say, a a harsh stance toward, I mean, not a harsh stance, but a solid stance towards Team Elite 
team page, team bucks, etc. They really don't want CM Punk back. I mean, they're they're there's a little bit of anger right now about this. And if they're just going to, oh, I and, wouldn't say a little bit. Oh well, yes, I, yeah, no, they're very angry. But, but what I'm, yeah. but what I'm saying, no, I, it's a big. I think you're right. It's a big buildup because if they're getting worked, they're going to feel a bit goofy about it. Why are they using this guy and what he did to do a program on television type of a thing? And I this think this is it, where, if it is a work, I think it's a brilliant piece of business because it's instantly the hottest angle in professional wrestling but but i mean i mean not, i mean not even those two fighting each other but i mean just the little digs every week if punk just keeps coming out and making little snide remarks about the young bucks and page and it never pays off it's gonna drive that dynamite fan base that loves the elite crazy is what it's gonna do and it's gonna get them angrier if if they know it's a quote-unquote work but it's a work that will never be paid off that would be a big problem. I, I think that's the worst of all possible worlds. Mm. It's entirely possible we end up there too. But if it is a work that involves the FTR guys and CM Punk going up against the elite, that is, I think, an interesting and intriguing angle. If it is a work that gets nowhere i think that that's deeply unproductive for the fan base i think they could get annoyed with uh having their intellect be toyed with and and like yeah. no one likes to be made to feel stupid they they want to buy in um they want to believe in it and if cm punk and the bucks sort of pop the balloon on that that would be bad, uh, especially if they don't actually deliver like a really great angle out of it. Yeah, I think it might get paid off in part, but not to the satisfaction of people. And I think it's just going to be continuing to stay in the news type of a thing. And if it's a shoot, and I don't think it is. No. Just why I'm a little confused by the way some have been talking about this and covering this. Uh, if it is a shoot then I think it's an unbelievably poor piece of business. I, I think if it is a shoot, then it makes the decision to let CM Punk lead off collision, given what happened at Muffin Gate, absolutely inexcusable. But I don't think it is. No, I, I don't either. But I do think, I do think there's a bit of a trickster in Tony Khan. And I do think it's like, go out there, Punk, and do what you want. And if you're going to tweak some of the fanboys, feel free, because that's good business for us. And, you know, he's he's not wrong. I just I just think it's a weird... Look, it's a generational conflict for me. I, I think today's wrestling fan... Preach, Grandpa. I, I don't... I, 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 it's not the punk version of they're soft and the wrestlers are soft. But they want their wrestling a certain way and they want certain people to behave a certain way and they want everybody to be friends and they want to be in on the joke. And I still think there's a certain generation of wrestlers that aren't going to let you be in on the joke. Know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. And 
I mean, in a way, there's nothing sort of more old school than Punk going out there and working stuff along with the Bucks. I, I mean, look, if they're both in on it, at the end of this, I'm going to have to give them both mad credit because they're doing like the most old school angle you could possibly do. Well, it's funny because I saw a tweet that perfectly encapsulated this about Punk. I forgot who wrote it, so I can't attribute it. And it's not somebody I regularly read, but I think Raj Geary retweeted it. But he's like, I think kind of ironic in 2023 that the guy who is who is holding the, who is carrying the torch for old school is a guy who in the early aughts was dressing in basketball shorts and kick pads and getting <laughs> derived from all the old school guys back then for not being professional. So, yeah, I I am. Uh, I'm interested in collision. I'm not. It's not appointment viewing for me because I was, I was also expecting them to end on some sort of big angle and they didn't. And that also just kind of seemed a big mistake. I I agree. Yeah. I I think that look, especially if you're going to drive the car through CM Punk, this show needed to begin and end with big CM Punk angle moments, not just a match, not just a match angle moments well the rumor is there was one planned and it was uh kiboshed at the last second and that was kenta and cm punk for forbidden door and then kenta said no thanks so i mean that's a criticism that i will pull back if that's true but yeah i was expecting something more to say and tune in next week to see what happens and i didn't get that but uh Returns and injuries. Uh, Bandito, broken wrist on last week's Rampage. Returning this week on television, Tommaso Ciampa back on Raw. And also, spoiler alert, three, two, one. Johnny Rampage, Johnny Nitro, John Hennigan, whatever you call him. He showed up on this week's uh, Rampage and joined up with QT Marshall and his crew. Any thoughts on any of those three and how they were brought back? Or two. Sorry. John Morrison's a guy who always stays in great shape, but is what he is. Yeah, but it gives Taya something to do now that she's lost uh, the big match against Chris Statlander, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> no, I like it's not like the uh, Degeneration X girls are really lighting the world on fire. True. Uh, Ciampa was originally supposed to be in a bigger program, but... Uh, Guess who's guess who's making last minute major changes to Raw now, Chris? Uh, I bet you it's Vincent Kennedy McMahon and his mustache. Yeah, <laughs> uh, came out against his old, uh, old I guess mentor, the Miz, and uh, and and laid him out. The rumor is that he and Gargano will be joining up as a tag team. Although Gargano persona non grata on a show in Cleveland, so uh, we'll see where that goes. But. Uh, That does it for the news portion of the show. Now the much bigger, much more bigger (laughs) lazy river of wrestling criticism, whatever we watch, whatever we think about, whatever we want to just talk about in the world of wrestling. But there is a pay-per-view this weekend. We usually start on the beach of the lazy river doing a breakdown of the show. It is the aforementioned Forbidden Door pay-per-view, AEW and New Japan in their second annual joint venture. This one, to me, Chris, has been far better built 
than last year's where it was just go home show and guys just show up on the ramp and that's it. We at least had some promos, some video packages, some build here. All right. So <laughs> no comment on that on dynamite. No, 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 no. Just, just on, just on how the build for forbidden door has been. Oh, okay. The general build for forbidden door. I think, I mean, they've done things and in particular, I'm interested in the jungle boy match just because we all know where this is going, but I still think it's going to be narratively satisfying and everyone's waiting for the betrayal. Okay. Oh, oh no, go ahead. I was going to start with the card, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Hit me with the card. 11 matches. Uh, one actually announced, after Rampage, so this is a yet again another spoiler alert, and I'm here to spoil all of you. Starting with Adam Cole versus Tom Lawler, who appeared who appears on Rampage this week, along with Royce Isaacs, part of New Japan Strong. Uh, they beat down Adam Cole on behalf of uh, MJF, I believe. Um, seems like an easy night for Adam Cole, but that'll be a fun match, and Tom Lawler's a fun guy. I kind of like him. Yeah, no, I, I think that this, you're exactly right. This will just be a fun match, but I think it will be very entertaining for what it is. Uh, I don't necessarily, I mean, I'm not, this is not a star ratings match, right? Like this, this is just a good prelim match, but I think these two guys will have good chemistry. Yeah. Uh, on the pre-show as well in the women's Owen Hart Cup tournament first round match, Athena taking on Billy Starks. Athena, Who's your the... Ring of Honor champ or women's Billy champion. Starks. What? Who's Billy Starks? Billy Starks has been on Dark a few times. She was on Dynamite too. She's young, blonde. She's about nineteen. Um, I'm gonna go with Athena. <laughs> I could see them giving Billy Starks the upset here. I, I could, cause, cause Athena has the championship. She's on the secondary show. I'm gonna go with Billy Starks. Okay, yeah, we have way too many tournaments, and we can talk about that a little bit in the Lazy River later. Especially this Blind Eliminator tournament, which <laughs> can they coexist? I think it's really interesting that they're doing the entire tournament blindfolded. <laughs> uh, for the AEW Women's World Title, Tony Storm, the champion, taking on Willow Nightingale. Uh, I think Tony Storm's winning this. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I think they're going to downplay the New Japan Strong title just a little bit so that uh, Tony Storm can breathe a bit as the AEW Women's title or Women's Champ. But uh, yeah, I I don't see Willow taking the title from her. I don't see any. By the way, spoiler alert: I don't see any title switching hands on this entire show. I think no. this is th- this show to me is like a one shot in comic books. Where it's like, oh, here's this special. It really doesn't matter in continuity. It really doesn't forward any stories. It's just going to be a self-contained one-issue comic book that we really wanted to do because it sounded like a fun story. That's what this is. This actually reminds me a lot of TNA's One Night Stands, which were perfectly entertaining. But you mean ECW or TNA? Uh, TNA. They they would do. They would also do these like one night stands, which are basically like direct to tape pay per views. Okay. I think that's what they were called. Um, and or one night only, maybe is what it, one I, night only. I think is correct. Yeah, yeah. So like one night only, and like yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and those were a lot of fun for what they were. Um, but obviously had no stakes. But I, I think 
it's a cotton candy pay-per-view. Yeah, actually, I think, you know, if anything, one night only has tended to be a little bit more ambitious with like how they would, you know, kind of like put you into a mirror world a little bit where like a heel and a baby face would have to make a tag team and have an uneasy alliance for the night or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the energy I'm getting off of this show. Uh, for the AEW International title, Orange Casty, Zack Sabre Jr., Katsuyori Shibata, and Daniel Garcia in a four way match. Um, this was the week, Chris, that I am now all in on Orange Cassidy. It's not that I didn't like him before. It's not that I didn't think he was a good wrestler. I'm thinking possibly world title for Orange Cassidy because the guy is just, uh, I mean, it's an ironic gimmick. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't necessarily look at these gimmicks as things that should be world title material, but I'll watch any match he's in. He's frigging great. And and his matches are always pretty great to me. <laughs> Zoo night. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Oops. glad you are finally on board. <laughs> well, I mean, the title chase train because I think he is the perfect title chaser. Yeah. He, I don't know that I would belt him, but I love him in a long program with MJF where. He has at least two matches, maybe three matches with MJF, and he's chasing MJF the whole way, and MJF's very much on his heels. He's a perfect underdog. I, I think we see and have seen, but, but really over the last like 12 to 18 months, just like way more depth in the Orange Cassidy character and what the Orange Cassidy match is. And... Yes, I look forward to this match. I think he's going to retain. Yeah, I, I don't see that. And I'm also, I wish we hadn't done that babyface tease for Daniel Garcia because I'm really, I, I know I know this drives people nuts, but the unrepentant stupidity of this dance where he's, he's basically become, he's become everything we hate about sports entertainers where it's just move. It's like a video game wrestler where he doesn't move and he does his taunt. And he doesn't move and he does his taunt, but it's helped him oh, so he's much. Trying to get his spirit bar up because if yes. you don't get your spirit bar up, then you can't go on special. And if you don't go on special, <laughs> then you can't deliver your alternative top rope move. That's way cooler. Looking. It's it's the actual fighting spirit is what it is. <laughs> I'm so gonna get killed for that comment. <laughs> CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima in the first round of the Men's Owen Hart Cup tournament. I think it's going to be a light night for old Charles Montgomery Punk. But uh, who knows? He could always lose in, in his Brett. For his Brett fandom, the thing that would would turn him heel is losing in this tournament. So I could see him losing any of the matches he's in, but I think he's going to win. Yeah, no. Collision Mega Draw Punk. He's going to win. <laughs> Mega Draw. That's great. In a 10-man tag team match, the Blackpool Combat Club of John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli teaming with Konosuke Takashita and Shota Umino versus the elite of Hangman Adam Page, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, Eddie Kingston, and Tomohiro Ishii. Party match. All party. Um, the one thing I'm going to note is something's going to happen between Kingston and Ishii because they're in the same block for the G1. But I think the Blackpool Combat Club actually win this. Okay, yeah, I could see that. This, yeah, and, but they win by like pinning Ishii or something. Yeah, or Kingston, one of the two. Yeah, right. 
and that just drives Eddie Kingston. Oh, nuts. Mox no, Moxley pins Kingston. Okay. And that drives Kingston nuts. I was trying to think of like what would be the storyline implications here. Kingston got reinserted there and like you had that little confrontation. So like you could have Moxley. Oh, I'll one up you. Okay. Moxley knocks out uh Kingston and then he lets Claudio pin Eddie. And that just drives Eddie up the wall because Eddie hates Claudio in this story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just to really rub salts in the wound. Mm-hmm. Six-man tag match, the Suzuki Gods, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki versus Sting, Darby Allen, and a player to be named. I have no idea who this player could be because the Japanese legends I was thinking of are barely out of the hospital, barely moving or retired, but I could see... And he says it's somebody from Jericho's past because he's ticked off a lot of people. Do a re- a, a, a reckless speculation and give me somebody here. Correct? Ultimo Dragon. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, Naito because of the program started in New Japan. Uh Credit to my co-host, Paul Ace Fontaine, who actually watches New Japan and told me about this. So I'm going to go with Naito coming out, or maybe even Hiromu, since he wasn't in the Sting match last year, and he was very disappointed by that. But uh, I think it's going to be pure New Japan. I love the Ultimo Dragon pick. I love, you know, there's a lot of great guys they could pick if it wasn't just a New Japan All Elite Wrestling (laughs) crossover type thing. But uh, yeah. Guerrero. He is actually, you know what? I thought about that for a moment, Chris. I seriously did because he is on, I believe, Defy versus Progress card the night before this in yeah, Toronto. He's still active, right? Yes, and he and he's in town. So I was thinking, yeah, that's a definitive possibility. And of course, they have the thing with the, what the five, uh, the the five uh, ta- tasks of Jericho or whatever that MJF put him through, and Hooventude was one of them. I mean, there there is that callback there, and that's not the worst guess in the world, to be honest with you. Uh, he he is in Toronto that weekend, and he is wrestling. MJF versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Title. I think MJF just takes a powder. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's a match at all on this thing. MJF gets himself disqualified about like fifteen minutes in. Yeah, kicks him in the nuts. Yes. Leaves. No, no, that's uh, that's how I actually think this ends. It ends with him kicking him in the nuts. I'm sick of this. Boom. I'm out of here. Uh, yes, right. Like like the match gets somewhat competitive. MJF just wants out. In an intriguing match for me, because I'm I'm very intrigued by this. So thus it's an intriguing match. <laughs> that's a preamble for you. Sonata versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry with hook for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. There's no way Jack Perry's winning this. I no. I am fascinated that they took the TNT title off of Wardlow and gave it to Christian on that first uh, collision. Because I just don't understand that move at all. Because I thought Perry was going for the FTW title. But if they give him the TNT title, that is gold. Um... I think this match is going to be pretty damn good. And it's going to see if Jack Perry can go to that next level of singles things. Like I'd love for him to have a run in new Japan. I really would just, just, uh, just to get kind of the mid card stink off of him in AEW. But, uh, I got Sonata winning this. What do you got? 
Yeah, I got Sonata winning this as well. Um, I think this is all about the aftermath. And I think insofar as this show matters, it's all going to be about the broader implications. To circle back to the last match real quickly, I think MJF gets disqualified. And that disqualification in a title match leads to stipulations going forward in his next program about there's no DQ, like in his match with Adam Cole here. Yeah. It's, it's some sort of no DQ match because he got him disqualified during the Tanahashi match. Um, in this match, yes, I think Jack Perry deliberately cheats, Hook sees that, and then Jack Perry still loses. Okay. I am good with that. And then your co-main events. Both have wrestling fans salivating. Can't say I'm naughty also, or something to that effect. Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada in a singles match. I'm here for this. I am so friggin' here for this. Um, I'm also fascinated at who wins this match, because I think Okada is going to be turning heel very soon. I could see Danielson winning and it being a big night for uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. But uh, I think this is just going to be one where it's like, grab your grab your plate of nachos and just enjoy it, kids, because it's going to be fantastic. Because I think, look, <laughs> there could always be a lack of chemistry, but I doubt it. Um, I think Danielson is going to win this match, though. Yes, I increasingly am of that opinion especially given the Wheeler Yuta situation and everything that like if Danielson loses, then everyone in Blackpool has lost recently. And there's like really sort of no drama there, but the whole Danielson scowling thing and getting angrier with Yuta as the weak link, I think that needs to be amplified by Danielson getting a win, albeit a cheap win, over Okada. I think Danielson is going to, even though he's a heel and everything like that, like actually do, I, I'm not going to be a second nut kick, but like, you know, remove a turnbuckle and like basically win pretty damn Screw dirty. Screwdriver? Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Like, like so, something to that level. And then, you know, get Okada to pass out so that he can say that he one by you know getting okada locked in you know crossface chicken wing you name your submission uh and that's where i think the finish of this match goes okay because that's interesting because i i can't talk myself into a screwy finish on this because i think you're going to need the screwy finish for osprey and omega which is the next match because i think you're going to need don Callis's involvement possibly Takeshita's involvement in here. Um, I think Danielson beats him clean, relatively speaking. There might be some chicanery, but not a lot of it. Well, I don't think he has outside help. In my in my narrative, he's definitely not getting outside help. Okay, because he, he no, because he needs to be able to say, "I beat Okada on my own," which is not the same thing as clean, but it needs to sound similar enough to clean that it washes. And finally, what I think will probably go on last, but it could be switched up. Kenny Omega, your champion, versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. I think that Omega loses here because Osprey is the champion, right? 
Uh, no, Omega is the champion. Oh, okay. Then no, I'm sorry. The champions. I was just, I forgot who the champion was. The champions are going to retain. Omega wins. But I think like Osprey's the next member of Don Callis's family. I'm not sure about that yet. Cause, cause it was, that promo was weird between uh, Callis and, and Osprey. You'd, you'd think Osprey would be all in for having a little bit of help and security there. I think Osprey actually wins this title, but he's not happy about it because it's all because of callous machinations in the background. Um, I don't necessarily see Osprey and uh, United. Um, I forget the name of the stable offhand, but you know the big one that they have with uh, uh, Aussie Open, and I believe Cobb and uh, Great Ocon are in it as well. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's left my brain for right now, but I think United alternative, United alternative. Um, I also think they get the belt off of Omega just to get the IWGP clear of AEW. And I think the trade-off is Danielson gets the win over Okada. Osprey gets the win over Omega. I think that's how we're going to do it here. Because Sonata's already going to be going over, and nobody else is getting a big win over an AEW guy. So I think Osprey gets the win here over Omega. But it'll be a fun card um, Sunday. We'll we'll talk about it next week. Uh, Chris, your turn on the Lazy River. Um, I guess let's talk about the high quality officiating of <laughs> Mustafa Ali. Uh, this last week we talked about it was the sudden launch of one of the better angles of 2023 where we saw one ref make a bad call a second ref come in and that led us to a promo between Mustafa Ali Wesley and Tyler Bate wherein all of them came off as incredibly smart and likable and not at all obnoxious and in their wise thinking they concluded that the only way that they could have a fair match is if Mustafa Ali was officiating it because reasons. Fast forward to this week uh, after what was 168 hours of pure anticipatory build, and now we're in the ring. The music has died down. The lights are coming up. The referee is Mustafa Ali, and he announces the beginning of this match. And... We're treated to slow count after slow count. And uh, at the first one, I was like, I don't quite know what's happening here. And then he did a second one. And I was like, ooh, I'm not quite sure. Where are we going on this road? And then, then there was uh, more nebulous officiating. And finally, we came to the conclusion of the match. Okay. That's my whole review. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> That's all I got. I I hated this. The, Even no, Booker T was the, done the, with it at the, some point. This was crap. This yes. is absolute crap. Uh, there was no logic to any of it. Mustafa's a dick. At the end, he's holding up Bate and Wesley's hands, and they can't make up their mind about how they feel about Mustafa Ali, who's clearly being disingenuous. But Bate and Wesley are too stupid to put this together. So they all come off as idiots. Mustafa Ali comes off as a jerk. 
Bait, uh, for his part, when he doesn't come off as sappy, uh, he comes off as dopey. Yes. Uh, and then you have Wesley, who is this guy who thinks he needs to be friends with everyone he's going to have title shots with just because he's a baby face. And that's moronic. And then he gets mad at friends who ask for title shots. You forgot about that part, too. So, Right. All right. right. I need to cleanse my palate. I can't talk about this angle. No. Anymore. I need to talk I, about something good. So. Okay, fine. The end of SmackDown last week was fantastic. I know. I know you AEW fans are out there. I know you're out there and you you hate this bloodline angle. Even though it's gotten really good in this last year and a half or so. I know you hate it because because you want to win. And I get that. I, I Trust me, I get that. But you got to give props to when they do good, solid professional wrestling type of television. And this is what this was. Jey Uso gave a nice... Nice promo to his brother, Jimmy swerved on Roman and Roman, man, I, I, I know Roman is over pushed. I get it. I know Roman's not the greatest technical wrestler in the world. I get it, but he's been fantastic as the head of the table on this run and his selling in this angle that the first kick was great. The first super kick, that second one where afterwards he, I mean, where he's, he's like, he's holding his jaw and he's angry and he wakes up and he runs full speed into the double kick and just dies. That was fantastic. That was a great piece of selling and a great way to end the show. I'm sorry. I'm still in on this program. Um, I probably won't after the next couple of twists and turns, but right now I'm here for Usos versus Solo and Roman. And Heyman is just... Heyman was the glue that brought it all together because he's he's giving these little promos backstage. He's you know he's 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 such a total simp to uh, to Roman when, when he's yes my charitable chief. Everything about this. Look, I get the community theater um, criticisms. I get it, but for w- the way that they do professional wrestling and their and their promos and they they love the drama and they love these types of things. This was one of the best things they have done since the since the Sami Zayn split off, especially. But yes, I, I, I really enjoyed the end of SmackDown this week. Yeah, as I think more about Paul Heyman's performances, I increasingly view them through the lens of the overperformance of Paul Bearer. Yes. And that... Oh, yes! That... that <laughs> What Paul Heyman is doing is the perfect level of overbearing for Roman Reigns as Paul Bearers is for The Undertaker. Just a little bit goofy, still mostly like menacing, calculating, like someone you have to take seriously. Uh, but that in, in a way they have almost like a, a similar sort of energy, although obviously Roman's not doing like, you know, War of the Undead or anything like that. I thought that the Usos part of this was great. They, I think they are coming out of this with WWE's fan base, just white hot as baby faces. I'm with you. Uh, hesitant, certainly with Vince McMahon back in the picture, the uncancelable Vince McMahon back in the picture. I am certainly thinking that 
the consistency with the Uso storyline is not going to necessarily be there. But, you know, if I'm playing with pieces on the puzzle board right now, I would be looking to make a new faction with Roman Solo and a couple of or a few hired guns that Heyman brings in and then have the real question be on the babyface side can the Usos and Zayn and Owens align especially with like Owens being a rageaholic can Sammy tame him can the Usos make amends with Sammy like that dynamic on the babyface side could be a lot of fun to see grow and I think it would leave room to run for something that's no longer the bloodline, but is still a storyline that is focused around Roman with the title. Yeah, I, I, I see this transitioning, but I still see somehow everybody ends up turning on Roman and Roman becomes sympathetic somehow. I, I, I do. I mean, I, I could see Heyman destroying it from the inside. You know, he brings back Brock, and Brock is the uh, catalyst for it. I could see the Usos getting... Once once we split off Solo from Roman, that's that's where it's going to be very interesting. Because I think, I think eventually Roman and Solo have a falling out, and then Solo joins the Usos. And then we have to see if, the, if it goes to the Usos' head and they become heels, and I think that would just be so stupid. But we'll see. Uh, it's your turn. Let us talk more about NXT. (laughs) Let's do it. Dana Brooke came back. Uh, The one thing I will say is it is impressive how she's like been able to like actually like, you know, physically reshape her body and stuff. I I really like her personally. No, yeah, she she's done it. impressive stuff with her physique, but yes. It's, I mean, she uh, is she is persevered. She was brought up too early. She's being told mixed messages by certain producers. It's it's one of those things where it's like she's a gamer, but man. <laughs> I, I will I'll continue on here. Yes. Uh, I do. actually enjoyed Von Wagner and Mr. Stone's interaction this week. They finally got me, Jeff. I actually thought that this was... uh, It makes Von Wagner a lot more compelling and interesting as a character. I I mean, could they duff this? Dude, it's WWE. I say this all the time. But, like, I thought this was pretty good. Also, I am very here for the potential of heel Gable Steveson and Damon Kemp coming together. Because I think this whole Gable Stevenson's here to help Eddie Thorpe thing is a swerve, and that we are absolutely getting heel Gable Stevenson, and I'm all about it. Gable Stevenson appearing on NXT was very interesting because Uncle Dave on Monday, um, or on the Sunday night Observer, was talking about how he Gable's going back to college to use his last year of eligibility, and I'm wondering if Dave got a little worked. I'm hoping he didn't. No, but way. um. Raw Underground is a crap segment. So no, just... no, 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 no. It is. Stop. I, I need you. To, I need you to stop because Raw Underground gave us Davicato. Yes, I know, and that's 
I think this is the end game. I think Dabakato eventually shows up on this thing and kills everybody. I hope he does because the man is a pit boss. And and prior to <laughs> recent missteps in his presentation, they had him white hot. The fans were ready for Dabakato. I loved Thea Hale again in the Tiffany Stratton thing. Just, just getting the Kimura on there. And yes, comedic geniuses. Drew Gulak and uh, Charlie Dempsey. <laughs> Drew Gulak. Wait, you just graduated high school? <laughs> <laughs> I died. I died at that. And, and, and Dempsey just being the straight man, doing his old man's bits. I, I uh, yeah, I need, I need Andre Chase back here sooner than later because because Duke Hudson. Ain't- I just need Duke Hudson gone. I actually yes. think the Gulak Dempsey Thea Hill chemistry is. Clearly, they're yes. off to the running. Like, yes. like you know, th- this this is great. Like Gulak and Dempsey are trying to do like serious training, and you'll have Thea Hale, who is at once extremely serious about training, but also not serious the way they're serious about it. Uh, do I want to go to AEW Dynamite or do I want to do Logan Paul? I, I, I oh yeah, I guess it is your turn. Logan Paul is now in the Money in the Bank men's match. And I think plans have changed. I know that there were people talking about uh, Damian Priest. I know L.A. Knight was a dark horse. L.A. Knight is... The crowd has caught on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. The crowd loves their sing-alongs. WWE love, crowds love their sing-alongs and they're getting, you know, their rock Austin type of guy. Cause he's basically globbing both of them at once. I am, I'm amazed that they haven't turned on, on LA Knight, but here we are. And he's getting massive reactions on raw, but Logan Paul's still one of the biggest stars in the world. I think you give him the money in the bank briefcase just for the press. Am I wrong on that? I mean, he can go. He's a legitimate threat and Seth is the champ. Right, right. That's what I would do. Uh, And then, yeah, you, you obviously have him out there for months talking about, you know, I I could cash in my money in the bank contract at any time if I wanted to, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think uh, I think you give it to Logan Paul. And then on the women's side, Trish Stratus added to the match. 47-year-old Trish Stratus. Still. <laughs> Lord, she's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> and, and can I just say with regards to Cody Rhodes, hashtag finish the story. I feel <laughs> like we are getting there, getting closer every week. Uh, your turn, sir. Okay. Um, so... I want to talk about Rollins on NXT. Okay. Him as a babyface mentor in this character in NXT did not work with Nathan Frazier, did not work with Carmelo Hayes. Like his, ha ha ha, ha ha ha, Hayes, ha ha, get him champ. I did not think that that. That's pretty good. Thank you. Uh, I didn't think that that actually did anything for Nathan Frazier, even when 
Rollins tried to ramp it down. It's just that, like, you have to go down from ha, 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 ha. I, I want to tell you something real quickly. I, I, I'm really proud of the star that you've developed into, and I think that you're going to do a really great job carrying that trophy. Ha, 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 heavy. Uh, and then, like, when he ran into Carmelo Hayes, you know, the, 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 like, weird need for both of them to seem, like, hella cool at all times, it, I mean, it, it just, it didn't actually result in, like, you know, the warm fuzzies or anything at the end of their interaction. And then we get to the match with Braun Breaker, and I'm confused I'm really confused why we're having this match after I just saw Seth Rollins with an opponent I'm infinitely more interested in him having a match with than Braun Breaker. Yeah. And Braun Breaker loses. So, uh, you know, I I thought that Rollins' little foray into NXT here uh, did not really help much of anything. It It was poorly planned. The execution was fine in terms of in the ring, but like the actual backstage stuff with this character and with this title belt, nothing was gained. I want to go back to Dynamite and talk about, man, love you some tournament, something like Tony Khan loves tournaments. We have the Owen. We have the women's Owen. And now we have this blind eliminator tag team tournament. And for anybody, anybody who points at WWE where they always do the contender and the champion and the can they coexist angle, y'all need to sit this one out because we're doing it with MJF and Adam Cole. And I hope they get rid of them soon, like first round, and then go on to the rest of this blind eliminator tournament. I hope they don't have to coexist for a long, long time. Because my my Stanford... Uh... <laughs> I, I would have them coexist right up to the week of the title match and then have MJF use that match. I think that's the plan. As the opportunity to injure Adam Cole. So we're also doing a battle bowl at the same time. And it's like, it feels like there's a lot of moving parts, but it's in lieu of actual storytelling in some ways or story building or angles or anything to that effect. I I get it. I'm just, I'm like, man, we're having three tournaments at once and it's going to be like, and I would look, I don't like MJF being in a tag team title tournament when he's the champ, but I get it. Um, I guess this segment wasn't for me, and I think it's probably because, well, I admittedly laughed at the shut up Shivani thing. I want to keep my main event and my comedy separate. And, you know, I, I guess it was fine for that one moment. And it's fine that Adam Cole is somehow tricking MJF into all these matches, even though Adam Cole isn't going to benefit in any way from MJF facing Tanahashi which is logically unclear why he'd want that. I don't know, Chris. I mean, maybe it's just a generational thing. I'm just being cranky. No, I I don't think so. I mean, I don't don't have any strong opinions on that take. Oh, okay. Uh, Your turn. If you have anything else. Um, I thought otherwise though, this is kind of like a, 
kind of a ho hum little dynamite here. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Chris Statlander versus Taya. Not really. Yeah. I get that from a match perspective, but I thought it did some nice uh, angle building. Like, look, Eddie Kingston's always welcome on a show for me. Yeah. Talking. I, I mean, I guess I also started off flat by seeing Jeff Hardy on my TV screen. So. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to keep beating up on it. Oh no, I'm 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 with you. I'm just like I I, I yeah I can't. No, I, I I mean like the program started. I I saw him and I was just like no, no, not. Uh. Oh, there's a certain part of our fan base that will be remiss if we do not talk about the concession stand brawl. Oh oh come on, this was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a. Uh, I mean, the, you know, a tad I, overbooked, but it was fun. And like, yeah, everything that Jeff Jarrett's doing is kind of in this vein now. And like, no, it's not. I mean, it ain't high art. No, exactly. It's not high art. And no. I think it's entertaining. If you don't, I get it. But I also don't know what you want out of Jeff Jarrett in his 50s. I think he's kind of overperforming. Yeah, I I, uh, I think there was <laughs> there's a there's a definitive logic gap in booking this match in terms of all right, the, the Satnam crew is just going to beat on Mark the entire match. And then finally, Chris Daniels and the Lucha Brothers and the best friends will come out to help. <laughs> but uh, some of the little things in this just amuse me to know. And like like even the preamble to uh, when the referees ask if he's ready. And every time Jeff Jarrett is, is, is pacing, he grabs a bag of popcorn and just throws it at Mark. That just, it just made me laugh so hard. Uh, of course, Chekhov's mustard on the table there. Uh, loved that. And uh, yeah, you got Papa Briscoe in there. You got Karen Jarrett. You got Sanjay. You got you got the whole crew, this wacky, as, as Brian Alvarez got, this wacky crew of guys. Yes. Um, and one, one more thought on this. I think it's good for Mark Briscoe to be out having fun matches that mm-hmm. keeps wrestling fun for him. And I think that actually what Jeff Jarrett is doing here is kind of like true buddy work too you know like getting your getting your boy back up um and and keeping him in love with the stuff he loves um after nothing too heavy nothing too you know yeah and and nothing too tag teamy to remind him of his brother necessarily yeah i i I think it's uh I, I, I actually, I think all this stuff, I think what would Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett have done in terms of being a friend for Mark Briscoe um, is extremely, extremely laudable. Um, and uh, I mean, it's like a quiet story of 2023, but to me is one of the nicer ones. Yeah. And, and boy, I loved that Jarrett promo uh, that they cut on a uh, rampage for it. I, I think, Look again. There, there are people in the fightful neighborhood that do not like Jeff Jarrett. They're mostly younger, and they're wrong. I, I love. I'm loving his, his run here, and, and look, he's nowhere near the world title. So relax, people. He's still great. Uh, I mean, not for nothing. Jeff Jarrett and MJF in a short program would actually be very funny. I'm kind of here for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still wish he was on Forbidden Door, but you know, we can't always get what we want, and it, it's for the super fans, not the uh, not the people like me. But uh, you want to cut it off there? Yeah, if you try okay. sometimes, you might just find that you get what you need. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at crapgame13. You can follow Chris on Instagram at dotor underscore nov. Message him, tell him to come back on Twitter. Uh, you can just follow the show at. Happen. 
you just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. I update that whenever the show goes out. Usually about 12 hours after the flagship, but nevertheless, that's when it comes out. Uh, uh, we are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Uh, Music of the Mat, Five Star Match Game, The Good, Bad, The Hungry, uh, Days of Thunder, just anything for your wrestling fandom. We have podcasts for it. I'm a member of another network as well, Fight Game Media, patreon.com slash fight game media for five bucks a month at around, oh, say, midnight Eastern. The, uh, the uh, the dynamite show drops on Wednesday nights. Uh, hot takes for myself and Paul Ace Fontaine, thoroughly deconstructing everything AEW. Uh, Chris has interest too. Some of them are actually yeah. No, I like things. Yes, you act like all I'm interested in is, is... killing bugs and guitar. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> doing a lecture series on Jimi Hendrix. He is both a musician and a person, and you can learn a lot about the history and his playing of guitar. Uh, and, and specifically, this week we're doing a, a two-hour thing on Are You Experienced? Uh, I've done a bunch of research on it. If you are interested in learning guitar, it's actually, I mean, Hey Joe is actually a, a good beginner's song. So that really, it, this is a lecture designed from, for everyone from introductory all the way up to advanced, I, which I'm kind of satisfied with here. And yeah, if you want guitar lessons, you can also message me on Instagram. As Jeff said, it's uh, doctor underscore no, N-O-V. Uh, you can also hear my first mastered recording i uh for a birthday present actually splurged and got something professionally mastered i I mix all my stuff but my my buddy has all the mastering software and actually does that professionally and i got a good rate and i made a version of fugazi's waiting room that i had professionally mastered and i thought i came out pretty darn well for something that i did sitting here in uh the same spot that i Tape this high quality audio for you people every week because because my heart's big. I feel for all of you, uh, no matter what Jeff says. Uh, don't let him bring you down. I don't. I'm supposed to follow that. You can't. Right. <laughs> you turned it back on, you idiot. Did I? Yes. Hello there, my name's Neil David, and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling, and it happens in Europe, and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good, and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapsEXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.